And good morning to you once again. That's a little better. Good morning to you once again. All right. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And not only good morning this morning, but happy new year. Yeah, so Advent marks the beginning of the church year. You might think it's January 1st. Well, you're wrong. Today or this year, it's, uh, it's December 4th. This is the beginning of the year, and I think that's appropriate that we have the beginning of the church year here before Christmas, so we're working our way into Christmas, the first Sunday of Advent. Um, so now, um, the first candle that we, wrote, that we lit this morning uh, represents hope. It's, a, it's the hope candle. Um, and so the whole season of Advent is really about hope, but really today is the day we talk about hope. We talk about um, how God looks at the word hope versus how we look at the word hope. And so this morning I want to start with a little story about hope. And I want to talk about, um, later dig into the Bible, like I said, about how God looks at hope and how uh, the New Testament and Old Testament kind of come together about it. So sorry about hope. So I'm sure you've heard about people who have been lost at sea, Right. I want to tell you about one of those stories. Um, we got to go back a couple of years. 2017, two longtime commercial fishermen, I have a picture of them for our morning round of who it is. This is John Aldridge and Anthony Sosinski. I think, isn't Sosinski a local name? I've heard that name around here before. But anyway, Sosinski. Now, they set out to sea from Long Island and heading out, and about four, they're about 40 miles offshore, heading out to go do some fishing. Um, Anthony, the taller one there, was below deck sleeping, and John was getting things ready for the catch that they were, it was going to come in pretty soon. And Now, John was up there working, and he's pulling on this handle, trying to get this thing unstuck, and he's pulling with all of his might, and the handle broke, and John flew off the back of the boat into the ocean. Now, the boat is on autopilot. Anthony's under, uh, below deck asleep, and so when John bobbed back up again, he realized the gravity of the situation. There's nothing he can do. But he hollered a couple of times, and um, the boat went over a crest and disappeared, and he never saw it again. So there he is, treading water alone in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. No life vest, and he's thinking pretty much, um, this is how I die. And I think we can forgive him for thinking like that, right? That's what we'd be thinking, too. I mean, can you imagine? Actually, let me fill in the blank. We can't possibly imagine what he was going through and what he was thinking um, if there's a definition for hopeless, a hopeless situation, this might be it, right? Or, or is it, really? So John's out there assessing the situation. He's trying to calm himself down a bit, trying to stay afloat. And then he realized, you know, he's a fisherman, so he's got these big rubber boots on, these long rubber boots, and he's realizing that these rubber boots are a little buoyant. So he somehow manages to get one out, gets the water dumped out of it, and pushes it down into the water, forming an air pocket, right? And he gets it under his armpit, and it's kind of helping him float. So he gets the other one down there, and now he's floating. He's thinking, well, okay, there's a little glimmer of hope, a little at least a flicker of hope, right? So he's realizing the obvious, though, that not only, no, not only does not anybody know where he is, they don't even know that he's missing yet. Anthony's still asleep. He doesn't even know what's going on. The only thing that knows he's there is those sharks, maybe, that are swimming over there, whatever those are. Well, maybe we'll worry about those later. So he started setting some goals, right? Little goals, like surviving until morning somehow, right? And so about four hours later, meanwhile, back on the boat, four hours later, Anthony wakes up, discovers John is gone, sees that broken handle, puts two and two together, calls the Coast Guard. Coast Guard jumps into action, and, but even the commander there said, you know, there's very little hope here of finding that speck in the ocean out there. Um, so the hours kept clicking by, right? Like I said, meanwhile, John uh, made it to the next morning somehow. Um, hours clicking by, no help in sight, no hope in sight, but then John spotted a fishing buoy. 
out there. And he was able to swim over to it and climb onto it. And then less than an hour later, here comes the, the Coast Guard helicopter, uh, flew and spotted him waving and splashing around. They pulled him out of the water, and the Coast Guard diver said, you know, we've been looking for you for about nine hours, to which John replied, well, I've been looking for you for 16 hours. <laughs> so, you can read more about this. I'm going to give credit where credit is due. This is in a book called A Speck in the Sea. It's an interesting read about um, survival, about rescue, about hope. Uh, in places that we might not expect and might not look for it. So beyond all hope, this John Aldridge survived. And like I said, what an amazing story of hope. Most people wouldn't have much hope in that situation in the middle of the ocean, not even thinking there was a sliver of a chance to survive. But hope is like that for us, right? It's a fleeting thing for us. Um, the thought of upside-down boots might offer us a little bit of hope. But my question for us this morning, the one I want to take away, the one I want to keep talking about this morning is this, is what is hope in your life? What is hope in your life? And as I said earlier, Advent is actually the season of hope. The word Advent itself means an expected arrival or coming, usually of uh, an aristocrat or somebody important. Um, and that season, the season of Advent, is marked by expectation, by waiting, by anticipation, even longing, if you look at it like that. Advent is not, if you please, an extension of the Christmas season. We do that after Christmas. But it is, like I said, the beginning of the church year. It's a season that links the past, the present, and the future all together. So Advent offers us the opportunity um, to share, right? To share in, uh, in the ancient longing of the coming Messiah. To share in the ancient, the longing of the coming Messiah. To uh, certainly celebrate his birth in Bethlehem but also to be alert and watchful of his second coming. So Advent looks back in celebration at the hope, the hope that Jesus fulfilled. That's what we're going to get to this morning. The hope that Jesus fulfilled at his birth in Bethlehem. While at the same time, we're looking forward in hopeful, and I'd say eager anticipation, to him returning for his people. So I want to talk about this season of hope. I want to talk about the Advent season that, that we're in, and I want to talk about this word hope. I want to talk about this word hope as God sees it, and I want to keep asking you, what is hope in your life? I want to take that gem of Scripture, right, and I want to turn it around in my hands, and I want some light to reflect on it. I want God to show me some things that maybe I haven't noticed before, haven't seen before. And I want to start that whole idea with that verse we just read in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, verse 1, this is the NASB. It says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I want to talk about that word hoped, and it's the same word as hope earlier. So now a few things about that word hope, or hoped for, like I said in this sentence. First of all, it's used about 85 times more or less in the New Testament. But all but three of them are after, are you ready for this? After Jesus ascended into heaven. So it's that hope fulfilled. It's that thing that's already happened, right? So we're hoping, literally, for something that's already happened. It sounds kind of strange when we say it in English. That's the way it goes. That's the way it is. Now, the Greek word here is elpis. Try, everybody say, elpis. That's like, I always think about it as the peace, you know, that, that hope gives us peace, like el nino. Is, that means the nino, right? Is that something like that? Elpis, the peace. And I want to demonstrate for you the difference between 
Um, the Greek word elpis and the way we use hope in the English language. I need some help. I need a, an assistant, a volunteer. Yeah, really? All right, come on, Macy. All right. Macy said, I saw some money up there. Maybe that's what we're going to be doing. Actually, we need, we need a coin for this. So we're going to use this 50 cent piece. Come on up right, right up here. So, so this coin. So, all right. So, all right. So, well, maybe not just one coin. Maybe we'll use two coins. We we'll use two coins. Well, maybe three. Maybe three coins. All right, all right so we'll use this one. Well, it can be one out of your ear. Just kidding. All right. Was that too fast for you guys? Did you just see what happened? Okay. All right. So you see that there's the heads and there's the tails. All right. So if you guess right, I'm going to give you five bucks for the heads and the tails. So you got a 50 50 shot at this, right? So it's like the NFL, though. You got to call it up front. What do you want? Heads or tails? Tails. Tails. All right. So, all right. So you're hoping, right? That there's that's going to come up tails, and that's how we use a word in the English language, right? Do you have any control over whether it's heads or tails? No. So we're hoping that this happens, right? But the word alpice is a little bit different. We would say something like this: like it would be so ridiculous for us to say something like this. Like when I flip the coin, we hope that it comes down. Would we say that? No. We know that it's going to come down. There's a certainty that this coin is going to come down, right? That's what the word elpis in Greek means, is that there's a certainty that this coin is going to come down. So let's flip it and see what you can win this five bucks. Oh, and then we also have to hope, right, elpis. We have to elpis that I don't flip it so hard that it goes through the roof and bounces a few times and rolls to Green Bay and we end up at Lambeau Field chasing this coin, right? We've got to hope that that doesn't happen, right? Okay, so let's hope that that doesn't happen. All right, so heads and tails, right? Okay, let's flip. Okay, one other thing we've got to hope for we have to hope that when it hits the floor, it doesn't just keep going right down into the basement and then we'll never find it again because then we'll never know if you got the five bucks or not, right? So we got to hope all those things happen. So first of all, we got to hope that it, it comes down, right? And then, and then we hope that it's either heads or tails, right? right? Okay, so are you ready? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip it this time. This time for real. All right, here we go. Oh, it's heads. Bum, 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 bum. Here's your consolation prize. Anyway, give her a big round of applause. Thank you. No, you don't get my coin. <laughs> so you see, the, like I said, it's kind of ridiculous how we would say the word peace when we say the word hope. You know, these things we know are going to happen, right? John, that guy out in the water, was hoping a helicopter was going to come by, right? That's how we would use the word. But would we sit at a bus station and say, or a bus stop and say, I hope the bus comes by? Maybe. He said, I hope I make it till morning. He didn't say, I hope the sun comes up in the morning. Right? That's the ridiculousness of the word elpis when we say the word hope. Something we know is going to happen. So when we talk about our hope in Christ, we should use a different word. Because it's elpis, right? It's something that we know Christ is going to do for us. Something he's going to fulfill for us. So I ask you, for is it the third time or fourth? What is hope in your life? And I want to continue this idea in the Old Testament because I'm going to blow your minds this morning. I want to go back to the Old Testament. I want to go to Jeremiah 29, 11. And yes, these are two of my favorite verses of the 31,000 verses in the Bible. Yes, these are towards the top of the ones that I want to talk about and I want to live with. This is the NLT version of this. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a... Okay, we're going to work with this now because we're talking Hebrew now in the Old Testament. So the Hebrew word for hope in this translation is tikva. Try that, tikva. 
You don't even have to hock anything up here. And most of the Hebrew words, you got to use the back of your throat. Tikva. And it has the same connotations as the Greek word LPs. Who said that? All right. LPs. All right. Yeah, right. So the LPs. Okay, but in Hebrew, all right. Hebrew, this word hope is before the Messiah was born, right? Before the Messiah was born, it takes on a new flavor. It takes on a new kind of tint to it. It's not just an expectation. It's not just the coin falling to earth. It's not just the sun coming up tomorrow morning. Those certainties are there within tikva. But tikva... In this sentence is the epitome of this word, to give you a future and a hope. Tikva also has a meaning of, of rescue and protection. Tikva has the idea of, of, of rescue and protection. Like I said, I'm about to blow your minds here. Remember when, um, back in the Old Testament, Joshua was leading the Israelites into the Promised Land, right? So the Israelites are, are prisoners in the Promised Land, um, Moses brings them out, and they wander the wilderness for about 40 years, and then Joshua, Moses dies, and Joshua takes over, right? And Joshua leads them across the River Jordan, and into, and they're going to attack, the first city was what? Jericho, right, they're going to attack Jericho. There was a woman that lived in Jericho, right? Her name was Rahab. And Rahab helped the spies that went into Jericho to try to figure out what they were going to do with the city, Right? And she said, okay, since I've helped you out, maybe you can help me out too, right? So she helped them in exchange for her safety and survival. And remember what she did to mark her house? Through a red tikva. She threw a red cord, we say, a rope, to mark where she lived, where her house was on. But the word for that red cord is tikva. It's, it's rescue. It's protection. So when we look at that connotation, we look at that idea, when we say hope, mm, man, you know, that's really not covering it. God says, I know your future. I have written your future. And your future is protection, rescue, hope. I'm going to bring you through survival, safety, I'm going to save you. Tikva means salvation. What are my plans? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. How does he know them? Because he wrote them. They're plans for good, not calamity, not disaster. Plans to give you salvation. And I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to rescue you. And I'm going to bring you through. But that's not all. God says, I know your future. I know the salvation I have planned for you. God says, I have prepared your future. I have prepared your salvation. So I ask you again, what is hope in your life? Is it salvation? Is it the things that God points to? Or are you still looking at hope the way the English language defines it? Or are you starting to look at it as the way God defines it? El peace, tikva, protection, safety, salvation.
This all comes together if you look with me at 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1.13 might be the, I don't know, least recognized powerful verses. It says this, so prepare, listen to the commands in this verse. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. All right, prepare your minds is what he's saying here. Then look at this command. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Look at that phrase, put all your hope. Right? This is back to New Testament. This is El Peace again. I want to demonstrate what happens when you put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you. I need somebody else to come up and help me. Natalie, will you come up and help me? Oh, I'm sorry. I looked right over the top. I don't have $5 this time, so, you know. And no, you can't have my coins. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to play a game. I got the big wheel of fun, and I got the big wheel of fun on the cross here, okay? So here's what you're going to do. It's going to be really easy. Um, pick your number between 1 and 10. Five, okay, so I want you to spin this, just take it and put the five up at the top of the cross like this, and, and you're a winner, okay, so go ahead, just put five at the top, and then you're a winner. Okay, good, so, all right, but it's not going to be that easy. So we're going to talk about what it's like for us to try to control our salvation without putting all our hope in the great, great, gracious salvation that comes to us. What, try, how, what chance do we have on our own to create our own salvation? So this is what we're going to do. So instead of just putting it at the top like that, um, I want you to spin it, and I want you to get the number five, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blindfold you first, all right? Sorry. Okay, can you see? No. Can you see? No. No? Nothing? No. Nope. No? All right. I believe you. All right. So here, don't stab yourself on the nail. There's the wheel. Go ahead and spin it. Well, that was a good spin. All right. Well, it was close. Look at how close you were. But okay, so what we're going to do for our own salvation, in order to get our own salvation to work, this is how hard it would be for us to get our own salvation. You've got to do this 50,000 times in a row and get number five at the top. What do you think? What are the, what are the odds of that? She's, uh, probably zero. I mean, it's probably, it's probably not zero, but it's close to zero. Okay, so now, but what happens when we put all our hope in the gracious salvation that comes to us from Jesus, right? What happens then? Okay, so when we let Jesus control our salvation, the idea changes. So now, I want you to pick just any, any, any picture that's on, on this, any, any one of them. What would you pick? Pick a cross, just, just any cross. Just, all I have to say is just a cross, okay? So here, put this back on. Okay, now spin it. Don't stab yourself on the nail. Okay, give it a spin, good spin to see if she can get a cross at the top. Oh, yes, she did it. <laughs> so this is what happens when we put all of our hope in the gracious salvation that comes to us from Jesus, right? You guys might be thinking, well, there's a chance she could get 50,000 in a row, especially the way this thing is a little lopsided, right? But no, is there any chance you can miss this way? Right? There's no chance we can miss this way, right? Okay, so here, have a, uh, sorry, I don't have another $5, but you see, you see her out there. Okay, give her a big round of applause. You get the idea, right? 
What chance do we have when we put our hope in things like this? If we put our hope in a wheel like this, there's literally no chance at all. When we put our hope, right, our expectations, something we know is going to happen. I mean, don't we know that that's going to end up on a cross every time we spin it, right? That's the assurance that Jesus gives us. And again, this doesn't give, uh, you know, quite the, the, uh, the idea because somebody might say, you know, the, the odds are that that could happen if we spun it enough times, maybe that, okay. But the truth is this. The bottom line is this. We put our hope in the English sense in many different things in this world, right? Many different things, many different places. We put our, our hope, our trust in things. Things we can see. Why did I put a blindfold on Natalie? Because Hebrews says we gotta put our faith and our trust in things that we cannot see. Right? Things that we cannot see. Things we can't see without, without a hope and without a future, without Christ in our lives. So here's what the Advent season is about. And here's what I'm urging you to do during this Advent season is to take time. Take time to trust that Jesus is who he says he is. Take time to trust in that hope that Jesus is who he says he is. And that when you open your heart and accept him, he starts taking action. And my prayer for you this morning in this Advent season is, is for that, that blessed assurance, right? That blessed assurance that comes with, with knowledge, with that ironclad guarantee, ironclad guarantee that comes to you when you open your life to Jesus. Open your life to the life that Jesus has prepared for you, your hope and your future. How do you do that? Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you. And that's, when, what's, that's what happens when you open to your heart to Jesus and let him into your life and let him guide your path to your salvation. Can I get an amen? Can I get a big amen? All right, let's stand with me, please.